Who, um, who enjoys our worship man, our worship team? I, I do. Yeah, yeah. And Tom Lewis isn't biased at all. Um, I have the privilege of, of being able to spend quite a bit of time with the worship team and I know not only their heart, but I know how hard they work at being able to lead you guys in worship and it, it is an absolute privilege to work with them. I've worked with a number of... Uh, different churches with their worship teams and it's amazing to see sometimes the attitudes that can come through um, from some people in worship teams but I don't see any of that here. We are incredibly blessed with the team that we've got so thank you guys, everyone that's involved, not just the team this morning but everyone so thank you. Um, I do have a few questions though for the worship team, well for everyone really. How can you tell if a singer is at your door? They don't know when to come in. <laughs> they can't find the key and they don't know when to come in. <laughs> what, what's the difference between a musician and a pizza? Pizza can feed a family. <laughs> how, how many sopranos does it take to change a light bulb? One. She just holds the light bulb and the world revolves around her. I'm going to get death stares from the, uh, the worship team when I walk into the next rehearsal, aren't I? They're just going to all stop and stare at me. That's right, I'm not finished yet. What do you call someone who hangs around with the musicians in the worship band? Yes. I, I can say that one. I used to be a drummer myself, so I can say that one. Um, the worship team are having a social. The worship leader goes up to the bar. Why there's a bar at a worship team social, I don't know, but he does. He goes up to the bar. And says, I'll have a Coke, please, being the worship leader. He didn't want to, you know, yeah, you know, Sam would go for something harder. But he goes, I'll have a Coke, please. The sound guy looks at, it, looks at the worship leader and goes, yeah, that sounds good. I'll have one, two, one, two, one, two. <laughs> See, I'm a sound guy as well, so I can laugh at myself. What do you call a guitarist without a girlfriend? Homeless. <laughs> Tom Lewis knows about that. He just got married and he's like, yes, I've got a place to live now. <laughs> How awesome is music? Who, who, who loves listening to music just for enjoyment, for their own entertainment? Yeah. Who doesn't? Who's sort of, I'm uh, not really a music fan. Not really the kind of person to, my wife should have her hand up. She's not really... She uh, gets grumpy at me if I put music on in the morning before she's fully woken up. She's like, turn that noise off. Oh, I'm different. W music wakes me up, gets me going. <laughs> it's used for so many different things, isn't it? And uh, one of the things that I love about music, when you think about it, it is so emotive. But it's not just the emotions that it draws out of us. It's w what it can be used for and the way it can stimulate emotions, feelings, and everything that that encompasses. We're creative beings. We're created as people who use all different parts of our brain. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. But before I do, has anyone ever watched a movie scene where they've changed the music from the original score? Have you ever noticed what actually happens when the music is changed? It can completely change the entire story, can't it? All right, 
So Greg and Dylan, if I could just have the, uh, that YouTube clip up, we're just going to watch, watch a, uh, a movie scene. Most of you should know where this is from. Thanks, guys. Isn't it interesting how music completely changes the story? And not only does it change the story, but it changes our emotional response to what's going on. What we're seeing completely changes. We get a different idea of what they're actually doing. When Mission Impossible came on, you sit there going, this just doesn't make sense. A couple of weeks ago when I was here for music rehearsal, um, I, I just randomly asked the worship team at the end of, of rehearsal, I said to them, what is music? And I got, um, I got a range of responses. I got the typical music teacher response that music is organised sound over time. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. <laughs> and it wasn't really what I was kind of looking for. But it was good to sort of think about that. But basically what the consensus seemed to be in the end was that music is an ex a way of expressing emotions, a way of communicating emotions in a way, sorry, in a form that a lot of other mediums, in fact, almost any other medium, can't communicate. I remember uh, one time when I was in high school, and um, as I said before, I used to play drums and I, w I really enjoyed listening to hard rock and even some heavy metal. And at the time, Metallica was one of my favourite bands. Really enjoyed listening to Metallica. And 
despite what Metallica are about, they are incredibly brilliant and talented musicians, um, whether you like them or not. That's okay, that's a subjective idea. Um, but I was playing drums, so one day I was, had some headphones on and I was playing along to one of their songs called The Call of Tulu. Now, my dad was a pastor at the time and um, I'm playing along, he couldn't hear the music, he could only hear what I was playing. And he came out and he asked me, he said, what are you playing along to? And I told him. And he said, well, pretty much the context of what he said was, stop it. Don't play to that anymore. I don't, don't want you playing that in this house. And I didn't get it at the time. Looking back, though, I do understand it because I, I did a little bit of research on what that song is actually about. And The Call of Tulu, is, it's actually been written, it's an instrumental that Metallica wrote, to pay homage to a movie of the same name that is basically a supernatural horror movie. And the whole theme of this movie was about this beast called Tulu that every time you say his name, he comes closer. It draws him in. And I also found out that the working title, so when they were writing the song, the working title was When Hell Freezes Over. Now, I don't know about you, but looking back on that, I don't think that's really the kind of music that an impressionable 15 or 16-year-old should really be listening to and playing along to. Because music is something that affects us so deeply that it can actually, not only does it impact our emotions, not only can it affect our thoughts, it can actually go even further than that and the message of what we're listening to can get into our spirit, get into our heart and affect our behaviour. And it's something that I believe that as Christians we need to be so wary of. I found some research... I did some research about how music affects us physiologically. And uh, one of the researchers I found, her name was Dawn Kent. Um, she studies at the Liberty University over in the US, which I believe is a, a Christian or a, a Baptist university over in the US. And uh, within... Sorry, <laughs> within her thesis that she did, um, she... Um, cited three case studies that were done about the effect of music on people. The first one was of a Russian composer. Now, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but his name was Vasarian Shabalin, which is an yeah, interesting name. And it says this, Shabalin suffered a stroke in 1953, resulting in the loss of his language capacities, more specifically, the abilities to speak and understand speech. However, his music writing skills were unaffected and Shabalan continued to compose his music until death in 1963. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that pretty amazing. That the guy loses his ability to speak and to understand speech, yet he can still compose music. Now, if music is a form of communication, we would automatically think, well, that uses the same centre of the brain, that, it, uh, that we use to speak, to communicate with speech. But what this research has found is that that's not the case. Another case study that, they, uh, that this researcher cited was that Alzheimer's patients recall words to familiar songs much better than spoken words or information. In fact, they tend to recall words from songs about 62% of the time, but 
only remember spoken material 37% of the time. Again, with Alzheimer's, we would think that if we're losing our memory, we'd be losing memory of everything, but that's not the case again, because music affects different parts of our brain, which I'll get to in a minute. The last case study she cited involves a woman known only as IR, and she suffered bilateral damage to her temporal lobes, including the auditory cortical regions. I have no idea what that is. I'm assuming it's some way that the brain senses auditory stimulation. Her intelligence quotient and language abilities were unaffected, but she could not recognize any previously known music, nor could she learn to recognize new music. She could not distinguish between any two melodies, regardless of how different or varied they were. And this is the part that gets me. However, her body still reacted physiolog physiologically to match emotions from hearing different types of music. This study confirms that many parts of the brain are used in the perception and comprehension of music. So I dug a little bit deeper and found that some research that stated that neuroscientists have discovered that music actually impacts, when we listen to music, we use at least 18 different areas within our brains. That includes regions, and I'm not gonna use the technical names for them, that includes regions of the brain associated with emotions, movement, and memory. Why is it that we use songs to teach? Because when we're using that many areas of our brain, we're going to retain the memories and understand things a lot better than if we just speak. We use, what do we use music to teach? We use music to teach out in kids' church, don't we? For Bible verses. At school, they use it for things like road and fire safety. All sorts of different things that when we incorporate movement, emotion and memory, we actually retain that memory and that information better. And it's the same when it comes to listening to music. And I believe the number one thing that impacts us, whether we realise it or not, in fact, I, I think most of us don't actually realise the impact music is having on us. And it's the message, the message behind the music. Not just the lyrical content, but it's the message, it's the heart that the song was written with. You see, what did the composer want to communicate? What was the state of mind of the writer when they wrote it? What's their heart? What are they trying to com communicate? What are they trying to draw out of you? What response is the writer or the artist trying to draw out of you with the music? The message of a song or instrumental piece can work its way into our mind, into our heart, and ultimately into our spirit, as I said before, if we allow it to. It can completely change us, change our thought patterns, it can change our morals, it can change our values, and ultimately, it can impact on our faith. That same researcher that I, uh, I mentioned before, Dawn Kent, she puts it this way. Music is an ever-changing, ever-increasing, and where did it go, sorry. Music is an ever-changing, ever-increasing gift from God, free and available to all who seek it, and many who do not. As such, it is naturally endowed I would argue supernaturally, but that's another, another point. It is naturally endowed with the ability to affect those who listen in monumental ways. I want, I want to 
I want you guys to really understand something. And maybe this will be a little bit controversial. I know we don't like hearing controversial things. Good. Well, you'll love this then. I wanna, one of the things I want to suggest to you, and I guess get you thinking about, I'm not necessarily an authority on this. It's just something that's been on my heart for a while. But I want to suggest to you that the music that you listen to will either draw you closer to God or drive a wedge between you. I can't decide what you listen to. I can't tell you what to listen to. And I'm not going to try. And I'm not saying that as Christians we should only listen to Christian music. I'm not saying that we should put aside all secular music and that we shouldn't listen to any of it because it's evil and blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we need to be so so aware of the message of what's coming through in music because music is such a powerful tool to create change. And it's powerful for two reasons. Number one, because God created it. God created it for the purpose of us being able to worship and praise him. Okay. The other reason it's powerful is because the enemy can get a hold of it and use it. We've got to remember that Satan, or Lucifer, before he was thrown out of heaven, he was a cherub. He was the highest in heaven, and one of his main responsibilities was to praise and bring music to God. Do you think he understands a little bit about music? Do you think he understands about the impact that music can have on us? Do you think he understands that it can be used to draw people away? And not just draw people away, it's not always obvious. Sometimes it's just a very subtle undermining of our, of our deepest reasoned and felt convictions until one day it becomes our behaviour and it becomes our belief. See, the enemy is not trying to drive a wedge, obviously, between God and us. He's not trying to do it in such a way that is obvious. He's going to use subtle tactics because the subtle tactics are what works. We're on our guard against those attacks, those big confronting attacks. We're on our guard. We're aware of those. What it's so easy to not be aware of is the subtle things that he uses. Outside of worship, music is directed toward an audience. When we attend a concert, the music is intended for those of us who have shown up to listen. When I listen to songs on my iPod during a run, which has been, you know, a long time ago. But when I listen to songs on my iPod, the music's for me. I'm using it to inspire me, to distract me from the miles I've got ahead. To inspire me when I'm getting tired to keep going. CDs and music videos, they're also aimed at audiences, ranging from one to millions. But you see, when we worship... Sorry, most music in our culture is intended to entertain and have us applaud. But when people of faith worship, each piece of music, whether choral or instrumental, is directed towards God. In worship, music is played and sung for an audience of one, the creator of heaven and earth. You see, a lot of the music today that we listen to today, if you want to put it in biblical terms, the way the Bible talks about it, it's defiling to the things of God and is straight up rebellion to the things of God. And the problem is, as I said before, it affects us in such a subtle way.
if we uh, <clears throat> excuse me, if we look at Ezekiel 28, if you want to turn to it, you can. Ezekiel 28, verse 11. Um, a lot of you will know what this, this passage says. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, This is what the sovereign Lord says. You are the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you. Ruby, topaz and emerald, chrysolite, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. As I said before, Lucifer was a cherub. He knows how to use music. Um, some versions um, in verse 13, they actually talk about your settings, your pipes were made and founded for you. God gave Lucifer the tools. He gave him the tools to be able to praise and worship God, to be able to make music to God. And the way that Satan will use music against us, because he's not going to just sit back and go, oh, well, you know, God made music, he gave it to me, I'll, I'll let them have that. No, 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 he's going to use it against us. He's going to turn anything that God has that's good for us against us. And one of the ways that he does that is he creates something that's attractive, something that resonates with us. It might be the beat of the music, it might be the sound of the singer's voice, whatever it might be, something, and we go, oh, that's catchy, I like that. Something that's attractive, it stirs emotions within us, but the problem is that subtle message that can undermine what the Lord's trying to do in us. If we allow ourselves to listen to its message, but so often, and I've done this so many times, we listen to the message of a music and we justify it because, oh, I just like the sound. I just like the music. You know, I really like that guitar solo. And we justify it away, even though we know that it's not something that God would want us to be listening to. So if music triggers responses in so many parts of our brains... God created music. Therefore, I would say, I, I think it's fair to say that the message cannot be isolated from the music. Would you agree? The message in the heart that something's written with cannot be isolated. We cannot listen to it without having the message in some way impacting us. There's a, uh, a book that I had to read when I was um, doing a bit of study at Bible college. Um, it's called Truth Aflame by Larry D. Hart, and it is a very heavy, in terms of academic heavy. <laughs> it is, it's, it's more of a textbook style of writing, um, so if you feel like reading that kind of literature, go for it. But it is incredibly difficult and has a huge amount of truth in it. It's, it's absolutely amazing. But he quotes this. He says, C.S. Lewis addresses these issues masterfully. He points out that our natural impulse is to praise that which brings us delight. Lewis observes that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. Further, sharing this delight with others seems to complete our enjoyment. So it is with God. 
Music is a gift from God. It was created for us to worship and praise him. Not to stroke his ego, but for our benefit. It was never meant to be about us, but it is a gift for us. And that's an important distinction. You see, when you and I sing to God, when we surround ourselves with music that glorifies God, we are actively putting ourselves into the presence of God. And God literally will lift us up and changes both us and our circumstances. Colossians 3, 15 to 16, if you want to look it up. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the spirit singing to god with gratitude in your hearts now excuse me i had a look a little bit further into what psalms hymns and spiritual songs meant and it seems to be generally agreed that a psalm has been described as god's direct words put to music there's a um a book in the Bible kind of dedicated to it, just a little one. You might want to go and check it out. Um, what's it called again? Um, Psalms. That, that might be the one. Hymns are usually statements of praise, but they're also doctrinal statements of truth. Okay? And spiritual songs are songs that, are in, that encourage us to live godly lives. You see, when we sing with gratitudes in our heart, Sorry, let me say that again. When we sing with gratitude in our hearts, the message of Christ dwells in us. His presence dwells in us. And this is the reason that we sing and have praise and worship at church. It's not just to make sure that you know, the latecomers get here for the message. You know, I can't say how many times you know, I've been running late and I've said, oh, it's all right, it's only worship. It's all right, it doesn't matter if we miss worship. I know, I'm I'm getting head shakes from the worship team here. It's easy to fall into that attitude though, isn't it? It's easy to fall into that attitude of, it's just worship. But you see, what Paul is actually saying here, one of the commentaries I read on this was actually, they stated that the message of Christ dwelling among us richly. Paul has put singing and making music to God on the same plane as preaching. It's, he's quite clearly saying, use music to teach and admonish, or in other words, to guide, to pull people back on track. It is for the purpose and for the benefit of impacting our lives. It's not just a nice thing to take up some time. I read a story while I was preparing for this about a student who was listening to or he was going off to college, and he decided that I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want, I'm going to listen to whatever I want, and um, I'm just going to enjoy life, basically. And so he, um, he took it to the, to the nth degree, and he didn't shave, and he didn't clean his teeth, and he didn't shower, and he slept and didn't sleep whenever he wanted to, um, drank whenever he wanted to. But he said eventually he got to the point where he was starting to have suicidal thoughts. Like serious suicidal thoughts, not just 
not just a passing thought, but serious suicidal thoughts. And he, he stopped himself one day and realized, he said, this isn't me. I've never had the, why am I, why am I having these suicidal thoughts? And he looked and he said, um, he, he realized that he was one of his favorite groups at the time was Simon and Garfunkel. Now, I haven't actually spent a lot of time listening to Simon and Garfunkel, so I can't comment myself. Um, Adrian and Heather probably love their music, but anyways. <laughs> too young. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll let you believe that, Heather. Um, <laughs> but he, he realized he was listening to a lot of this music, so he went back and he looked at the lyrics and the message of a lot of their songs and found that so many of their songs were actually quite depressing. They were about how people are isolated, how they're depressed, how they're so lonely. And he realized that this music was having such an impact on him that it was actually impacting his thoughts and manifesting in such a way that he was thinking about suicide. So he stopped listening to it and he changed his life. He turned, turned his life around and, and started shaving and actually employing some personal hygiene. Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, one of the signs that Paul's saying here, one of the signs of being filled with the Spirit is singing and making music to God. You see, if that scripture, Ephesians 5, those verses connect singing with scripture. Sorry, no, it connects music or singing with the spirit. Colossians 3, Paul is connecting music with the scriptures. When we combine the content of the scriptures and what the scriptures say about us and what the scriptures say about God with the impact of the Holy Spirit and singing in the spirit, Okay. how much of an effect is that going to have on us? What sort of effect, what impact is that going to have in our lives? Music is meant to edify, it's meant to build up, to glorify God, to teach, to admonish, to make declarations of our faith. We've sung some, some of them this morning. Making declarations of who Christ is in our life. It's to express joy, but above all, music is designed... To draw us closer to God. God created music for us, but it's not about us. Again, in uh, Larry Hart's book, Truth Aflame, he has this to say about worship. In the final analysis, worship is for our benefit. Yet when we worship for the sole purpose of our own personal blessing, we subtly move away from worship. And I think I've spoken to many, many different people who I believe have allowed the enemy to fool them because they sing and they worship, but their attitude is, I will worship you and in response, I will get. Their attitude is, what can I get from God? Their attitude is, I'll worship you because I can get stuff. I can be made to feel good. 
You can provide for me. That's their attitude. And it's about them. They, they're worshipping for their own personal blessing, not because we serve a God who is so amazing and so powerful and created us. Isn't it ironic, though, as I said before, how the enemy can use something that's so pure, created by God, and all he has to do is twist it slightly. Just enough so that we think that what we're doing is still good. We think that what we're bringing is still an act of praise, an act of worship, but in actual fact, we've made the focus ourselves. Don't let the enemy fool you. You see, when music that was meant to be used to glorify God is used to glorify anything but, it draws us away from Christ. And the enemy uses many subtle tricks. All he wants to do is see us justify away using God's uh, gifts to gratify our own sinful desires. That's all he wants to do. He does, he's not trying to get us to renounce our faith in Christ. All he wants to do is just twist it a little bit, twist God's word just a little bit to render us ineffective. Philippians 4.8 is one of my favorite verses. I think I've used it a number of times before. Finally, brothers... Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'm not suggesting that listening to secular music is wrong or bad or that you're going to lose your salvation if you listen to some of the music that's out there. I'm not suggesting that at all. What I'm saying what i'm asking you to do what i'm imploring you to do is be aware be incredibly intently aware of the messages that we're allowing into our spirit through music be aware of what that message what what that music is praising and be aware of how the enemy wants to use music in our life be aware that he will use anything any little thing in our life Music was created by God as a powerful tool to worship him. So let's intentionally focus on God with our praise. Music is the most wonderful, beautiful gift from an almighty, loving, gracious God who delights in our praise. He delights in our praise. He loves it when we come and worship him and praise him with no agenda, not seeking anything just praising him for who he is. He is God, therefore I will praise him. We're going um, to have communion now, if I can have the band back up. And uh, all we have to do is look in the Bible. Just read the Bible and we'll see that music is all through the Bible, that God uses music to impact we see music used for all sorts of things Elisha used it to calm his spirit Saul used it he got David in to play his harp to calm his spirit battle of Jericho God told Joshua to send out the priest with the trumpets marching before the before the army not the kind of thing can you imagine today if a uh, general walked up to I don't know a major and said major I want you to send out the, uh, 
want you to send out the, uh, the music, the band. We're going into this house to, to track down a terrorist. And I want the band to go in first. Pretty sure he'd end up without a job pretty quick, don't you? But you see, music is such a powerful thing. God used it in battle and he will use it in our lives to lift us up and to change us, to change both our circumstances and our heart. So what we're going to do is we take communion. I'm going to read some of the Psalms. And reading these Psalms this week just reminded me of how we're called to praise God, of how we, we go about praising God. So let's grab communion. And as I read, I want you to listen to these words and then we're just going to spend a little bit of time in worship. Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to God. How pleasant and lifting to praise Him. The Lord, build, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but cast the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and he makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in his honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouth and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the people, to bind the kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his saints. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're just going to sing. What a beautiful name it is. And I just want you to worship with no, no agenda. Put a, cast aside everything that you've got going on. Your challenges, the things at work, things that are going on in your life problems that you might be facing put them aside and just worship God for who he is praise him for no other reason than he is God let's worship we're going to sing what a beautiful name